Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We are back, and Julie, mm-hmm. thank you for finishing Outline for a fantastic podcast. Yes, I think this is going to be important to absolutely 100% of our listeners. Yes, and you guys have been noticing, some of you, that our normal audio quality is not as sharp as it is when we are in Puerto Rico. It's because we're not in Puerto Rico. We are in the mountains of North Carolina, and we are podcasting in our bedroom, which is completely, I would call this pine cladded yes and vaulted and kind of noisy yeah so if there's a little bit of an echo in the background we'll just bear with us we'll make it up by giving you guys lots of good actionable information so today's podcast is the promised and we've been promising this for two weeks must ask mortgage lender questions and uh, this is going to be a list of questions that is going to be uh, for you to use when you're interviewing a lender for your buyers or frankly when you're interviewing the buyer's offer or the buyers that are coming in on a co-op if you're a listing agent. This information is incredibly relevant, absolutely powerful, because this could be the difference between, frankly, if you're on the buyer side of the transaction, you're working with a real buyer, in other words, a buyer that can actually buy, or if you're on the listing side, you're making sure you don't accept an offer from a buyer that actually has, uh, you know, not a very good lender's letter or cannot financially perform, because guys, in the last really three or four months, pretty much all the rules have changed. And we're going to be updating you with all of those points today. And I think, Julie, how many do you have here? Uh, rules uh, or I questions to ask? 12, oh, 16. 16. Well, we'll get through these. Um, first of all, I want to thank all of you for the fantastic five-star reviews on iTunes. Julie and I are in the midst, as promised. Our staff has chosen the winners, and I don't think there were any losers. So we are going to be sending all of you autographed uh, versions, or uh, not versions, autographed signed copies of our best-selling book, Harris Rules. And uh, we need those of you who submitted um, reviews, five-star reviews, with pithy comments. Please, And if you've not sent over your address and your name, because sometimes people use aliases online, right? Make sure you do send that information to Tom at TimAndJulieHarris.com, Tom at TimAndJulieHarris.com, T-O-M at T-I-M-A-N-D-J-U-L-I-E-H-A-R-R-I-S.com, and we will be sure to send you an autographed copy of our book. And thank you for the dozens and dozens of you that have given us five-star reviews on iTunes. We love all of them. We love all of you for taking the time to doing so and uh, showing appreciation. We certainly appreciate you appreciating us and appreciate all the effort we put into this podcast every single day. And also, I want to remind all of you that it's not too late for you to join our premier coaching program absolutely 100% for free. And what do I mean by free? I mean absolutely nothing. You can join right now. And uh, premier coaching does include a daily semi-private coaching call with one of our new member coaches. And this coaching program is perfect for all markets, but especially a transitioning market like the one we're experiencing right now. All of our coaches, which have been personally trained and selected by Julie and I, are Harris certified coaches. 
And I bet you the combined experience of the coaches that coach the premier coaching program, well, it's well over 100 years, I'm Definitely. sure. And they have, uh, I bet you the average age of our average coach that's coaching is probably in their, you know, they're, you know, in their 40s or 50s because yes. they, and the, we chose people and we look for people to be our coaches who have been through all different kinds of markets, who have been through all different kinds of interest rates going up and going down and, you know, recessions and, you know, boom markets and all the rest of it because we need people that are experienced to coach you guys in all different markets, just like Julie and I are, not just one specific kind of market. And that's the challenge that many of you will have as you've only been selling real estate during one specific kind of market. And that same problem is going to be the challenge that many other coaches and, you know, quote unquote coaches, YouTube coaches and the rest of it, um, and office managers and even brokers have. They've never actually sold real estate in a transitioning market, let alone a buyer's market, let alone a market where we're going to be experiencing large amounts of inflation and all kinds of interesting headwinds are headed our way. So get prepared and we've done all the heavy lifting for you and the coaching program is free. And like I was just saying, if I did not make it clear, it does include a daily semi-private coaching call with our Harris certified coaches. You also get a DISD personality test, buyer and seller scripts, presentations, lead generation, lead generation ideas, passive and proactive, everything you possibly could need. More specifically, you get our 90-day massive action plan. All of that is included. All you've got to do is text the word PREMIER to 47372. Text the word PREMIER, P-R-E-M-I-E-R -E -E to 47372. Do that now. Text the word PREMIER to 47372. You can do that while you are listening to today's podcast. And you can enroll while you're listening to our podcast, while you're getting educated, motivated, and you're getting into action. The action you should be taking is joining Premier Coaching. So text the word Premier to 47372. Yes, and incidentally, all of our Harris uh, certified coaches are actively licensed, actively selling, some of them leading teams and brokerages. So they are going through the very same things that you are going through. They are not just, you know, in real estate 10 years ago and decided to kick back and, you know, pretend to be a coach. They are the real deal. So make sure that you're participating. And we also are very careful to have coaches in different types of the uh, different areas of the country. So you mm -hmm. have that variety as well. Well, we have, I mean, that's worth mentioning. We have a, a one of our premier coaches is in, San Diego. The other is in Columbus, Ohio. And the other is in, well, they, he works, John works in Manhattan and New York, but also in, in upstate Jersey. New York too, in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. So we've got the bases covered. And uh, of course, Julie and I are down in Puerto Rico. So listen, this is your opportunity. Text the word premier to 47372. And you do get 30 days of very intense, actionable coaching, absolutely for free. Um, and remember, message and data rates may apply. All right, Julie, let's get yes. to our notes because I'm really excited to go through Me these too. points and there are a lot of them. All right. So remember, we all know the market is shifting, has shifted for some of you, and that with this, you must also shift your skills. The days of assuming that your buyers or the buyers of your listings, or maybe you, you might be a buyer, are simply going to get a super low rate with 20% down on a 30-year fix, those days are over. So you must immediately upgrade your mortgage knowledge so you'll be able to counsel your buyers, the buyer's agent, and sometimes even the lender. You don't have to know how to do loans yourself, although I know some of you listening do, and that's fine, but you do need to know what questions to ask of the lenders that you're dealing with. And this is something different than what you've gone through before because it was kind of standard issue for about a decade. I have an idea for you. When sure. you're writing articles for National Association of Realtors, we, we publish on National Association of Realtors when you're working with Janet. Mm -hmm. This would be a fantastic outline for yes, you to, I need to, for send you to that. use this. Oh, by the way, guys, also remember the notes for our podcast, the very notes that Julie's using, the very questions that she's going to be sharing with you, those are published at timandjulieharris.com, but also on iTunes. 
Um, so when you're over on iTunes, you can down, you can just cut and paste the notes and you can use them. Don't sell them. These are for your own uh, personal use. Uh, and then while you're there, please do give us a five-star review. And, and again, we're, we're looking for five-star reviews that have uh, pithy comments. And chances are then you'll qualify to win a free autographed copy of our book, which we are in the process of signing and mailing, and which we're doing yes. manually ourselves That's right. uh, starting tomorrow. Hopefully, we'll get Zoe to make some of those boxes. <laughs> we'll <laughs> see. Right. All right. So questions to ask any mortgage lender you're working with. Question number one. These are all pretty straightforward. So again, we're publishing our notes. But for those of you who like to write it down, now is when you want to get started with that. Questions to ask any mortgage lender that you're working with. Number one, what types of loans does your company specialize in? Now, this is important because that's typically the type of loan that they will tend to want to put people into. Also, the loan that they're going to process the fastest and what they're really good at. All mortgage uh, companies have certain loans that that's sort of their thing. So you want to write down the answer to that. Point number two, what other types of mortgage loans do you offer? For example, adjustable rate mortgages. Those are also known as ARMS, adjustable rate mortgages, conventional, jumbo, stated income. There's all kinds of different types of loans. So what else do they offer? And don't be surprised if, you know, you talk to two different lenders and they don't have the same list. Different lenders do different things. Point number three, do you keep any of the loans or are they sold on the secondary market? A lender who keeps loans is called a portfolio lender. You can think of them as putting the loans into their portfolio. Some will keep 100% of the loans in-house and others only keep certain types of loans in-house. Portfolio lenders are sometimes more flexible with their requirements. This is important if you have somebody that maybe has uh, an interesting combination of employment or maybe they, you know, are recently moved to a different type of job. You just wanted to uh, ask, why is it important that they keep it in-house? Because if they don't have to market it on the secondary market, then their requirements are perhaps a little bit more lenient. So let's break this down. What you should have in a market like this is you should have a lender that's a first-time specific, specifically geared towards first-time buyers. Most lenders you talk to are going to say they can do any kind of loan, and maybe some of them can. But for the most part, you're going to find some lenders are going to be FHA, VA approved. Those are generally speaking great first-time buyers. And then you're going to have the midland buyer and or the midland lender, and that's going to be a lender that's going to be able to work with a lot of people that are, you know, basically may, they're not first-time buyers necessarily, but they're moving up. They have some down payments. They're going to have to have a very wide variety of different loan products. They're going to have pro loan products, and again, these are generally speaking not going to be. Uh, these are all going to be conforming loans, right? So conforming loan is where essentially the, it's not a, considered a jumbo or a non-conforming loan. Those are the ones that, you know, Fannie Mae will uh, essentially fall within Fannie Mae uh, underwriting guidelines. That's really what you're looking for with this Midland lender. And the first time home buyer lender is going to be the, uh, essentially the government loans, the, the FHA, the VA. The reason that we're uh, suggesting that you work with two different lenders, and I go, I know lenders out there right now are rolling your eyes as I say that, but the fact is, is there are so many different loan products out there that there's no, what every lender is gonna do naturally is they're gonna migrate all their per, uh, prospective uh, borrowers to just basically one or two buckets because those are the loan programs they know the best. And maybe they know that those are the ones that are the easiest to get the loans through. And we are assuming a mortgage broker, guys, basically is a, a essentially, the, I mean, the best analogy I could think of would be 
you, so you call up, you know, Larry the lender. Larry the lender is going to it's going to be called ABC Mortgage. Well, Larry the lender actually represents different lending entities, and so those different lending entities pay Larry the lender you know, different levels of commission. They don't call it that, but that's really what it is. And generally speaking, the commission is paid on the back end. So Larry, the lender might take the borrower to like, say, for example, the FHA and the FHA is going to pay Larry, the lender. And sometimes the back end on uh, commission on these loans is way more than you think. So the Larry, the lender might be able to take that borrowed FHA. I don't know what the current back end. I don't know what the commission is on those currently, but let's say it's 6% or 5%. So if that borrower is borrowing $200,000, that lender is going to have, or that lender's brokerage, you know, mortgage brokerage is going to have a $10,000 commission that's coming in back from the lender. And so obviously Larry, the lender is going to want to, you know, migrate most of your borrowers to, towards lend, uh, loans that are going to pay the most commission. And this is just natural human behavior where I'm not doing judgment calls here, but that's how most most lenders or most mortgage loan officers are making their decisions. Now, I would hope that a vast majority of them are also going to prioritize what's best for the borrower, but for the most part, that's how that works. And yes, that did, uh, that was partially one of the reasons why there was this, you know, huge problem housing about 14 years ago, because a lot of the lenders were sending their borrowers to subprime lenders even though they could have qualified for non-subprime because mm -hmm. the subprime lenders were paying massive amounts of commission on the back end. So you got it. And then you're going to have your upper end lender. Now the upper end lender in this market is going to be somebody who does non-conforming or jumbo or super jumbo mortgages, depending on where you're, what market you're in, you know, a super jumbo is going to be anything over like a million or a super, I'm sorry, a jumbo is anything over a million, let's say in most markets and a super jumbo might be something over 3 million. Um, and that's three million borrowed. So those are going to be types of loans that the that are not going to be uh, you know conventional. And they're not going to be backed by the government. Those are going to be the ones that are going to be uh, maybe uh, private lending, portfolio, uh, portfolio loans, all kinds of different things. So you know you got to you have to understand that probably the guy that's doing the very very upper end lending, he's not going to want to spend a lot of time doing FHA VA lending. He, he may on, not even be able to. Exactly, it might well, not be his product, but, which it, brings us to the next question. But yes, yeah, so these are all types of things, and Julie, I do want to sprinkle in there the importance of whether the lender letter that they receive actually is going to have validated all the things that we yes. do in the ultimate addendum. We'll slide that into. Okay, good. Okay, point number four, do you do FHA, VA, and first-time buyer mortgage loans? To Tim's point, the guy doing jumbo and super jumbo probably doesn't do a lot of FHA or VA, doesn't like doing them, might not even be able to do them. So not all lenders do the same stuff. Okay, point number five, what is your average processing time from application to close? Now, I've seen a lot of interesting ads from smart lenders here who, who are talking about, now this of course assumes that the borrower gets all of their documentation in, but that they can get it uh, into and out of underwriting in two weeks or less, or that they guarantee a 30 day or less processing time. Again, a lot of that depends on the borrower's cooperation, but smart lenders, that's one of their USPs is they get it done faster. All right, next, point number six, and we've talked about this from time to time on podcasts. What are your lender overlays? Now, this may depend on the product that they're talking about. 
Remember, a lender overlay is an additional set of requirements that their company puts on top of Fannie and Freddie requirements. So let's talk about that. Fannie and Freddie will come out and say that we will now. So Fannie and Freddie does not lend directly to consumers. Fannie and Freddie will essentially use loan uh, mortgage brokers and the mortgage brokers act as the front men essentially for Fannie Freddie and Fannie Freddie pays the mortgage brokers a commission for the loans that they do. And, and they yes, set the guidelines, right? They set the guidelines, but they also are essentially paying the mortgage brokers for lending uh, Fannie uh, money. And I know I'm oversimplifying it lenders, but just bear with me because I'm trying to make the over writing point here. So the standards that the Fannie and Freddie will put out will be, okay, these are the mortgage requirements. The person has to have this much time on the job. They have to have, you know, just all kinds of different things. So it's going to be credit. It's going to be, you know, three merge credit report. It's going to be a percent down payment. It's going to be not just time on the job. Like let's say for example, uh, Bob is a candlestick maker. Well, then Bob quits his job last year and he's now deciding he wants to be a cobbler. Well, the very, even if he's making the same money, the fact that he switched from one industry to the next is going to be a potential red flag, depending on the overall picture of Bob, the borrower. So you guys got to be keeping all these things in mind. Uh, so what's going to happen is, is as people, so um, Fannie F will essentially offers the money in the minimum standard. The lender then says, well, we're going to put additional standards on top of what Fannie requires. Why? Because if that loan goes south, uh, what happens is that goes back on the lender. And so the lender actually is, you know, obviously on the hook to some degree for the loan when it actually goes bad. So what's going to happen is the lender, if they start to get nervous about the economy on a whole, or a sector in the economy, like Julie and I told you back in 07, 08, 09, they started becoming real sticklers to lending to anybody that even remotely was in the real estate industry. Um, and they were putting, they were pulling in credit lines, they were putting caps on uh, credit card balances. If you were in the real estate mortgage industry back in 07, 08, 09, in certain parts of the country, it wasn't everywhere, and you had a credit line against your house, they were essentially pulling in your credit line or capping it at whatever the present balance was because they were fearful that people were going to start living against borrowed money mm -hmm. because in, in the real estate industry. Now, will that happen this time? I don't know. And will it happen in certain industries? I don't know. You guys get the point. So these are all the different overlays and different things that can happen during a real estate correction. That's what you have to know. What are the overlays? All right, I, you can go online and you can Google Fannie Mae, you know, conforming, uh, mortgage and then put in your zip code and then they'll tell you and then okay so these are the minimum standards Mr. Bar or Mr. Lender what are your overlays what are you guys requiring on top of that and you will find different lenders have different overlays and your mortgage you know Larry the lender is not going to come out and say we've got the crappiest list of mortgage <laughs> overlays you could no. possibly imagine your borrower never get approved with us or yeah. you'll call up Larry the lender because you love him and he buys you donuts every Monday and you're going to and uh, you're going to say Larry here's my borrower debt Da, da, da. Larry's going to say, I can't get it done. Sorry, they don't qualify. But if you'd gone down the street to Lucy, the lender, because uh, her mortgage company's overlays to you know, essentially do a same Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac deal, they're not as stringent. So you're going to be able to go to Lucy and you're going to be able to get the deal done. But if you don't have the experience and you don't have the relationships to know that each of these lenders act differently, then you're going to be essentially frustrating yourself and losing out on opportunities. Yes. And I've even seen some... Um I don't want to say ignorant, but just maybe ignorant of what overlays even are. Agents online will post, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe what this lender's making my buyer do. Isn't that illegal? Overlays are not illegal. It's different with every company. They are uh, largely regulated by their risk management 
uh, section of looking at their collection of loans and, and managing the risk. How many loans do we have that we feel are high risk? Well, if we have too many, we're going to up the requirements. And now, you know, maybe Fannie says that that loan requires a 720 credit score. If you're going to get a loan from us at ABC Mortgage, we're going to require a 750 credit score unless you've got, say, more than 30% down. It's sort of a sliding set of rules, but it is not illegal. So you guys need to stop posting that because that's not true. Okay, point number seven. By the way, you guys got to be super careful posting anything negative online ever because all that stuff follows you. And when a consumer yep. does a search on you uh, and they find that you are essentially, you know, griping someplace online, that's not going to be a turn on towards working with you. It's going to be a turn off. So just keep all that yep. stuff in mind in general because a lot of these uh, sites where you guys go and sort of bemoan your uh, frustrations with the real estate industry because things are changing so fast. Your cl uh, potential clients are also reading what you're frustrated mm -hmm. by, and that's not going to be a good calling card for you. Yes. Point number seven, do you offer rate locks and do they include a float down feature? How long can a borrower lock their rate in before they have to pay extra to extend or, you know, uh, lose it altogether? So what does it cost to extend that rate. Now, let's talk about what a float down is. Why? So this, again, this has become a USP unique selling proposition for many lenders right now in today's changing market. They will say, we offer a free rate lock. Okay, that's great. Does that include a float down feature? So that means, let's say that, that I think that today's rate at 5.1 will be 60 days from now, that's gonna be five and a half. And I wanna lock in at 5.1 before I feel like it's gonna get worse. Well, uh, I think last week or the week before, it actually went down from 5.5. So I want to not just lock in at 5.1, but I also want to say, if it goes down a little bit between now and when I close, I want to get that lower uh, rate as well. So make sure that you're not just locked in, but you've got to float down on that. All right, point number eight. Do your loans come with an assumable with release clause built in? That's built. That's actually, guys, um, that's absolutely badass if it's included. And here's the simplest way of understanding this. Let's say, for example, your borrower or you lock in an interest rate today of 5.1%. And let's say some of these worst case scenario uh, people are right and interest rates go up above 10%. And let's say two years from now, you want to sell your house. You and, the, and people are like, oh my gosh, I can't afford the payment because it's 10%. You actually could sell your house and have, and someone would have to pay you the difference between what you owed on the mortgage and what it was worth. Um, you know, basically market value. And then they could assume your mortgage at your 5.1% or whatever with a release. And all of a release, generally speaking, is it's not even that thorough of a pre-qualification from the lender. At least it used, didn't used you to have, be. You still have to qualify. Not, I mean, you can't roll anybody in there and do an assumable, but it is, I believe it's still less paperwork than doing, you know, from scratch. But here's why, you know, remember these guys haven't experienced anything like this, most of them ever. So why would an assumable be more marketable as a listing? Okay, so let's say that we get more inventory and we already are rising in inventory. Last month it was up 8%. I've read as high as 15% increase in some markets. So let's say instead of one house available for every 15 buyers that would like to buy that house, we instead have 15 houses for every one buyer that is going to buy this month. Well, why would my listing be better than your listing at the same exact price? Because if rates go higher, okay, and I can say assumable with release at 5%, all of a sudden I rise to the top. I'm the most attractive home on the market 
assuming that they can qualify, because the payment is literally going to be less than the neighbor's house that is for sale without an assumable. And here's another thing that's amazing. In scenarios like that, not only does your house uh, become more marketable, it becomes more valuable for the reasons that Julie just stated, but then you can do things like, this is how Julie and I bought our second house, frankly. Mm -hmm. You could do things like where the the seller is going to give you um, a second mortgage for part of the equity. So you could then basically, there's all kinds of creative things you guys can do. You know, it's funny as Julie and I are explaining these points today, I was just... um, I spent some time over the weekend watching some YouTube videos just to see what agents are watching. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't believe the number of videos that basically were all exactly the same about how to make a YouTube video. And so they spent all their time talking about the thumbnail and your facial expression, you know, <laughs> and the title and the colors and the lighting and, you know, all these sort of like things. And, I, and I, so I watched some of these videos about these YouTube coaches, quote unquote, telling you how to make videos and I watch some of their, uh, their other content. And I, it's, it's shocking to me, frankly, um, really, truly surprising how many views some of those guys get considering all the content is virtually the same and how most of the content is absolutely content, absolutely hundred percent fluff. Yeah. It's not actually designed to help like this information we just gave you. If you, if you are uh, planning on being in the real estate industry at, for the, you know, let's say the foreseeable future, you guys can go through these points that we're reading to you and this will make you money urgently. It'll make you money today versus, you know, some of the other things that are being taught out there. And one of the most important things you guys got to understand is this market is shifting far faster than we've ever seen before. I agree. And you cannot be spending time, you know, in the fluff. You have to be spending time focusing on how you're going to increase your skill set so that you can become more valuable in the marketplace. Julie just told you how you can make your listings hypothetically more valuable in the marketplace because you're going to be able to have a listing, you know, five years from now because you helped a buyer get a mortgage that's an assumable mortgage. And five years from now, let's just say worst case scenario happens. Now you have a mortgage a listing you're going to put for sale with an assumable mortgage. That is a whole series of, you know, very well thought out constructed plans that are going to create a lot of continuity in your real estate business versus worrying about making a bunch of surprise, <laughs> yeah. you know, sort of emoji looking facial expressions, taking pictures of them and worrying about how to make YouTube thumbnails. Guys, stop wasting time. Focus on being of service to other people. Now, look at it this way. How many of the past, say, three to five years worth of mortgages that are out there are out at are already at outrageously low interest rates? So a smart listing agent knowing that inventory was going up and interest rates are going up and inflation is going up should be asking every seller who they're listing who has a mortgage, are you aware whether you have an assumable there on your mortgage be, or not? There used to be ways you could go and find out what type of mortgage. I think it's Well, you can. You can still, the seller can. The listing agent can't just search without a loan number, but the seller can find out. There used to be mm-hmm. a searchable database. Ask your title company. I believe it's state yeah. specific. We could do it when we sold real estate yep. in Ohio. To find where, out if it's assumable. Where we could find out what, right, exactly. Yep. Where we could find out what type of mortgage was on the property. Because when the deed was filed, if there was a mortgage, it also said what type of mortgage it was. The point that Julie just made is absolutely fantastic. But in all reality, when you're going out to talk to a prospective seller, and if they purchase the house anytime in the last 10 years, minus say six months, mm-hmm. chances are they've got a ridiculously low interest rate anyway. And you know maybe they've got an assumable on it, maybe they don't. They might have an assumable on it and they don't even know. That's gold in a market like this. That makes it a better listing. <laughs> yes, it does. It also makes you much more impressive to that seller when you're competing that you even bothered to ask and that you would know something like this. And I do, we did some of these. Hell yeah, we did. So imagine you're on the phone uh, tomorrow or today even better, right? 
and you're talking to a prospective seller and you're asking and you're sharing the seller with this information, the seller's going, holy tamale. <laughs> right. And the last agent wanted to brag about their TikTok videos. And here's somebody that's basically telling me how to go and make my house more valuable in this marketplace. Do you guys see the difference between what we do and what everyone else does? All right, Julie, so. next point. Just saying. Okay, so uh, point number nine, are there prepayment penalties if the borrower wishes to refinance or pay the loan off early? So again, these are specifics to the loan. Are there prepayment penalties? Anytime we ever financing anything, it's one of the first questions I ask is if there's gonna be prepayment penalties. Now, here's how I remember learning about prepayment penalties. We had a listing, really nice gal. Uh, it was about a $400,000 listing, newish construction, she had relocated in with a company and literally got relocated out again with her same company about four months after she purchased. Now she had only, she had a small down payment, three or 5%. And I remember when you and I met with her, she literally had not unpacked all of her boxes. Well, we did the math and, and it, it looked like she should be able to basically break even to sell and, and get out of that house. Well, when we did the seller net sheet and we got the real payoff from her lender, there was this mysterious six points of prepayment penalty, which made her upside down. And by the way, we did not sell the house with her. She was working with us as listing agents because the buyer's agent that put her into the house did not actually protect her and uh, did not know to check what type of mortgage that she was actually getting into. And most borrowers aren't going to know to ask that question. They're just going to sign, especially in the day and age of DocuSign where nobody reads anything. Okay, so that's how I learned about prepayment penalties. Now, that was an extreme case. Sometimes they're a half point, one point. It can be pretty much anything. Okay, so obviously you want to make sure that you don't have those. Uh, and also when you're doing seller net sheets, it's good to know if they've got that. All right, point number 10. What is the cost to buy down the interest rate by 1%, 1.5%, et cetera? That you would think that that would be a standardized cost, but it, it's not always the same with every lender. So what are we talking about? Buy down the interest rate. Remember that lenders will charge you points, right, to close or to get a better interest rate if they can for, you know, different reasons. But you also can voluntarily pay points to buy down your own interest rate and lock it in. How much you want to bet that virtually everybody listening right now who's going to call Larry the lender is going to have an experience where Larry the lender doesn't know what the hell buying down rates is. Yeah, that's part of the problem right now. Because he's never had to do it because rates have yep. always been so low. Mm -hmm. You know, these are all, this all goes to experience. This all goes to being more knowledgeable. You guys cannot assume that Larry the lender knows more than you because he might not, though he does, you know, bring some kick-ass donuts every Monday, right? You cannot assume he's going to know more than you. You cannot assume that anybody knows more than you. You always have to be the smartest person in the room. Otherwise, frankly, you're going to get steamrolled. And don't just be complacent and think that somehow magically everybody else around you is going to be able to, you know, get the deals done. And it, where it really comes into a problem, and we've said this a million times, and we're going to help you guys. We're going to create a bonus point number 17. But when you're working with buyers, if you're working with Lazy Larry the lender and he's not actually done a thorough prequal job on that uh, prospective buyer, you can waste uh, you know hours, hundreds of hours trying to put a buyer into contract just to find out that buyer doesn't prequal, it doesn't actually qualify. Larry the lender, he was being lazy, not in that he, uh, well, yes, in that he didn't ask the questions, but in that he himself was not educated enough to know what additional questions he should have asked when qualifying that borrower because he himself has been spoiled by this ridiculously buoyant market. So Larry the lender is in the same position as a lot of you guys are. He needs to get his butt back to school too. He Good luck finding a good school to go to. And Larry the lender quit watching videos on how to make TikTok or videos on YouTube 
You need to actually learn how to get really good at your job so you can take care of real estate agents and their clients. Well, that's right. And that is a major issue right now is that a lot of people don't, and that's why we're doing this podcast. Many agents and brokers don't know the right questions to ask. We're giving those to you. Okay. But you know who does is the powerful listing agents who are experienced. They will tell you these certain lenders really do have it together. And, and this is starting to bubble up with you'll see the best lenders will rise to the top, just like the best listing agents will. I wonder how many of you are listening right now and you're really realizing how powerful this information is. Guys, we're just skimming the surface. Um, and you can imagine how good the information is in our premier coaching program. It's vastly superior to this. Obviously, we've only got you guys for about a half hour every day. So when you're ready, which should be now, join Premier Coaching. It costs you nothing. Text the word Premier to 47372. Text the word Premier to 47372. Remember, message and data rates may apply. Next point, Julie. Point number 11. What are your credit requirements for your lowest rate loans, lowest interest rate loans? It's kind of like an overlay question, but it's very specific. So what are your credit requirements? And they should be able to tell you, it, you've got to have a 730 or 735, whatever. And all of those, the credit requirements are going up pretty much across the board. So that's why that's a specific question. But yes, your suspicion that Larry the lender does get more commission sometimes on loans that where the rates are not as competitive, it is true. So you've got to know the game. You've got to know, okay, Larry the lender, who are you brokering? Well, we're getting this from Wells Fargo. We're borrowing, you know, we're essentially brokering a Wells Fargo deal. Okay, well then what is, you know, go to Wells Fargo online and see what their requirements are. They're going to have them there. Compare or just go to Wells Fargo directly. Personally, Julie and I always like using mortgage brokers, the ones that really knew what they were doing. Um, because frankly, the problem with going with directly to a major lender is they're only going to be able to sell the borrower what they specifically have. And Larry, the lender is going to have possibly a whole menu of different products that are available. But, you know, not all not all Larry, the lenders are the same. So make sure you're working with one that's actually essentially educated and motivated to really be competitive in this market. That's right. Point number 12. And this is important because it actually is a legal thing. Um, when a borrower is denied approval due to their credit, they're just said, I'm sorry, we can't approve you. Your credit's not good enough. Do you, the lender, disclose to them the specifics of why that decision was made? Now, by law, they are required to disclose why somebody is denied credit. This matters a lot because it, it's not all the same. Sometimes a borrower is going to be denied the loan that they were trying to get because their credit score was, you know, five points too low. And maybe that's something fixable. I think I'm going to uh, do a, a podcast on credit soon too. Okay. So point number 13, when in the process, when in the process, do you actually check the buyer's credit and what's the system you use to do so? Do you recheck prior to closing? Most lenders do, especially in an environment like we have now, they're going to recheck the credit, of course, during underwriting. Go ahead. All right, so we're going to firehose you guys with all the minimum standards that every lender should be absolutely doing, uh, you know, essentially qualifying the buyer to before they actually, or frankly, before you uh, take any sort of lender's letter from them. First of all, let's start out with some facts, pre-qualification, pre-approval, and any of these other fancy lending terms means basically nothing. It all is basically a bunch of mumbo jumbo. So let's just get that out of the way first. The only thing that's valuable is a lender's letter that uh, this is the bottom line. This is what you're after. At, there's no subject to, there's no verifications of. The lender's letter essentially is complete approval for the um, a maximum mortgage amount and then the only thing it's going to be subject to is going to be the appraisal of the subject property. That's called loan commitment. That's what you want. Now, so what does that mean? When you're calling up your lender, we'll stop picking on poor Larry. I think I've heard his feelings <laughs> enough. And if there's a Larry the lender uh, listening. Sorry, Larry. Sorry, I sincerely apologize. Not really. It's just 
fun because your name rhymes. But now we're going to pick on Lucy. Lucy. All right. So Lucy, the lender, she has to do a three merge credit report. She has to do a verification of assets. She has to do a verification of income. She has to do a verification of employment. She has to do not just the employment, but the type of employment. We talked about that a second ago. And we can't just say verification of assets and that, um, you know, she can't just be asking the borrower, does he have down payment? Borrower says he does. She needs to actually verify that the down payment is there. She needs to actually do a real honest to God credit poll, not just basically a surface, you know, credit check. Uh, again, because you're going to find that maybe one lender is reporting some uh, maybe erroneous credit information that's going to pull the credit score down, which is going to make it so the borrower doesn't qualify. You're going to have to actually make sure that you know what the borrower or the lender's overlays are. What are the other things that come to mind that the lender's letter must include? Yep, front end and back end ratios. Yep. That's how much money they're spending versus their income, right? So most of the time you can't spend more than 28% of your income. That has become more of an issue because prices have gone up, but ratios have not. So if you make you know $10,000 a month, the rule generally, the general rule is the maximum amount that they can be paying in PITI, principal interest taxes insurance is going to be 2,800 bucks. But like Julie just said, in some markets where it's more expensive, um, that ratio is oftentimes pushed much, much higher, good or bad. That just is a fact. So what else, Julie? Yes. And keep in mind too, let's say that that same person has an 840 credit score. They probably are not going to be subject to the same things as somebody who's got a 680 credit score. Right. So are there anything um, else that the lender must be doing minimum standard before our listeners and yep. coaching clients are going to even consider accepting a lender's letter from them? Well, we, we are seeing all of this change, right? So one of the things that happened last go around is that they wouldn't just verify that you have the job that you say you have. That's uh, verification of employment. Oftentimes they would actually send out a letter to your employer. Yep. And sometimes it would even say, okay, so Tim Harris says that he's employed by ABC company. What is the likelihood of Tim having that same job or better at your company two years from now? And if that employer doesn't send something back in the affirmative, that can actually hold up underwriting. And if it's a janky industry or where industry yep. that, you know, is basically where the lender has reasons to believe it's going to be, you know, not doing well during a recession or whatever the hell we're entering into, that's also going to factor into it as well. If the bar, the borrower is going to be required to have reserves and the reserves could be for 90 days, six months. And yes, we're talking about cash set aside beyond the down payment to, you know, essentially validate that they can make the house payment in the event that they had a disruption to employment. Well, okay. So you bring up another thing, which for for some borrowers is more important than others. And that is uh, cash reserves. Yeah, that's what the, the ability to actually cover it if you lose your job or something right. like that. And there's different uh, percentages for different situations. So again, if you have a really high credit score, maybe your reserve requirement is going to be lower than somebody who has a low credit score that seems to be a little bit higher risk. And jumbo or super jumbo, you're probably going to be required to have at least a year's worth of actual cash savings to make that house payment in addition to whatever your down payment's going to be. And a whole hell of a lot of other requirements as yes. well. Okay, now here is a big black hole to keep uh, aware of. Where is the actual down payment actually coming from okay is it coming from the sale of a house okay so that you're secretly contingent on financing or not right so the moral of the story guys is you can see and there's a lot more that we teach you in our coaching program uh, it's called the ultimate addendum so those of you who are in premier coaching make sure you uh, use the ultimate addendum use it for your borrowers use it for basically sending to your lender and say mr lender before you uh, i'm going to send you a, a buyer i insist that you put the buyer through you should put that in level one by the way I insist that you put the buyer through all these minimum standards uh, before you send me a lender's letter back. And Mr. Buyer, I insist, you know, say it nicely. I insist that you actually go through the full process 
of getting your loan approved because it puts you in a more competitive situation. But really what you're doing, guys, is you're validating that that buyer is not a time waster and you're validating the fact that that buyer, uh, that lender is not essentially also indirectly wasting your time by having you spend time with a buyer that ultimately can't perform. And this also goes true of whether it's a government loan, whether it's a non-government loan, you know, Fannie, or I'm sorry, yeah, it doesn't matter what type. VA, FHA, and all the rest of it. You have to start being professionals and stop just assuming the lender is going to do their job thoroughly. Most of them have not been educated yet on how to do it. If you guys think that the lenders are, you think agents are going to be experiencing a lot of turbulence, lenders are going to be experienced vastly more. Most lenders have never learned how to really do anything other than refinances, which by comparison are easy. Now lenders are going to have to figure, well, you guys are reading about how all these big mortgage companies are laying off uh, loan officers. And so all these loan officers are going to be, if they don't figure out how to adjust, I imagine, frankly, a lot of them are going to get into real estate, but they're going to have to learn how to actually start prospecting listing agents in order to get listings in order to, I'm sorry, in order to get the loans or buyer's agents, right? They're going to have to start um, marketing to real estate agents to get real estate agents as their clients versus essentially just uh, constantly calling up the same borrowers every year when rates go down and refinance it and getting another commission. Yeah, the easy call, right? Okay, so yes, if you're in Premier Coaching, that has already been written up for you. It's already posted. It's called the ultimate addendum. I also think of it as the list of deal-killing items to make sure that uh, you force the lender to get it into underwriting. That right there, this very topic, what we just talked about, and I know we firehosted them a little bit, but we know the information's on Premier, and they get it for free when they text Premier to yep. 47372. Message and data rates may apply. But that right there, this ultimate addendum, mm -hmm. is going to be one of the biggest differentiators in the real yes. estate industry in the coming months because you're going to see these lenders are going to start, they're going to do more and more overlays. They're not going to advertise and market it. That's oh, for, for sure. sure. Uh, agents are going to operate like they always have, sort of lackadaisical, sending their same borrowers to the same mm -hmm. lenders. The lenders are going to start saying your borrowers don't qualify. Agents aren't going to be experienced enough unless they listen to this podcast or coaching clients to know that, well, maybe Mr. Lender is actually just being a little bit lazy yeah. or uneducated to know that I can take this borrower someplace else. That's right. You got to know the right questions to ask, guys. So we've got three more points. Point number 14, what special programs are unique to your mortgage company? Grant money, teacher, police officer, first responder programs. There's a lot of those now. Opportunity zone lending. There's all sorts of different special programs. I'm already seeing the best lenders advertising that stuff too. So what would a special program be? Well, maybe right. a teacher or police officer gets a special interest rate because you know there's money set aside for those types of loans. Well, the traditional one that many of you will be hopefully knowledgeable about, I can't assume you are, is like the VA. So the VA, you can put like 3% down. You don't have to have the highest credit scores if you're going to a normal lender. Different ratios. Different ratios. So all these types of programs that are set aside to subsidize you know, veterans buying housing. Well, what happens is like an opportunity zone. Our entire island of Puerto Rico is an opportunity zone, which means you can go in there, you can get preferential lending, you can get preferential tax treatment, the whole thing. In different parts of your, your city, you're gonna see there's different areas that might be opportunity zones. And if you're working with a teacher, now again, I want you to put in a position, your mental, uh, imagine you're you know, in this position. Knowledge equals confidence, ignorance equals fear. You're talking to somebody on the phone and, you're, and you find out that they're a teacher. And you explain to them that because they're a teacher, they actually might have an ability to not put as much money down or have some other preferential treatment towards obtaining a mortgage. Police, the same thing. First responders, the same thing. This is what being a professional is all about. This is the difference between the agents that thrive in this market 
versus the agents that frankly won't make it through this market. That's very true. All right, point number 15, when you, this is my favorite question, because this is all about our agents. When you have buyers who become pre-approved or apply with you, but they don't have an agent yet, will you refer them to me if I refer business to you? There you go. So Mr. Bar or Mr. L you know, Larry, listen, here's the deal. Oh no, we're talking about Lucy. Lucy. So Lucy, here's the deal. When I have a buyer who um, is you know showing, I pre-qualified them for motivation. So you pre-qualify the buyer for motivation. Obviously you pre-qualify them to find out if they have a house to sell. The lender pre-qualifies them for finances. And I know some of you, especially in California, like to do both. Um, personally, we've never ever coached anyone to do both. We always suggest you do one or the other because it's really, really difficult to become very, very good at both. Um, and you'll spend all your time doing loans and not enough time selling houses, you know, so you'll essentially not get anywhere. But the moral of the story is, is that when you're dealing with a, a borrower in this type of market, make sure you're working with a lender that actually knows how to get the deals done and make sure you have a variety of the buyer, a variety of lenders to, to pull from. It's really, really important that you do that. All right. Point, final point number 16. Do you send, this is kind of like what we were just talking about a minute ago. Do you send a specific lender letter or use a boilerplate one? Do you have any locked in guarantees for buyers once they're through underwriting? Do you call the listing agent to vouch for buyers who you have underwritten or pre-approved or better yet uh, loan committed to? I'll give you an example. I think this came from Tammy. We were talking about this because I'm making sure with all of our elite coaching clients and the coaches are coaching this, you know, we're trying to be ahead of this for all the, all of our listeners. Um, she said, you know, I've got a really great lender who once they're through underwriting, the lender has like this official guarantee letter that they send that has all of those things enumerated, like we talked about on uh, the ultimate addendum, but her lender will actually guarantee that they will follow through with the loan, even if the borrower has to change employment while they're pending. It's got all these little fun stipulations that makes it better than other lender stuff. So that's a great lender, you know, and she sends all of her business there. They send business to her. She's worked out that relationship. Why? Because Tammy's a listing agent. She does lots of transactions and has sorted a lot of this out. By the way, uh, taking a half step back to point number 15, um, Larry, the lender, or Lucy, the lender, if you're listening, make sure you think about, since you now have to expand your business to work directly with agents and you can't just rely on refinances to pay your bills, you might want to start calling the sellers, the you know the loan, the mortgage, the homeowners that you've done loans for, and you might want to find out if they're thinking about selling because very well many of them are. And then when you you know generate a few leads, call up the local top producing listing agents and then say, listen, I'm Larry the lender or Lucy the lender, and I've got a prospective seller. I'd like to you know know if it's okay if I send this listing lead to you, of which obviously the agents will say heck to the yeah. And then you say, well, then can you keep me in mind when you have prospective borrowers that are looking for loans? That is a great way to, you know, form great longstanding relationships. And again, this is just for lenders. Focus on the top listing agents. They're the ones that are going to give you consistent business because they control the inventory. Agents, focus on becoming a top listing agent because that's how you thrive because of this market. So let's wrap. Any other closing thoughts on this? Well, yeah, I mean, I feel their stress. I had a lot of coaching calls last week and I, I understand that you guys are tending towards the freak out end of the spectrum because it's, I mean, the market has been pretty consistently the same for many years now. You and I talk about this 10 to 14 years with the past three to five being the hottest, I think. And really, so when, since COVID. Since COVID, yeah. for sure. And well, then it ramped up a lot for two years. COVID caused prices to spike nationwide by something like 32 or 35%. Yeah. And it's because what, $10 trillion was printed. It's because the government mm -hmm. was worried the housing market was going to crash. And so essentially, you know, they made it so they superheated the housing market. Mm -hmm. And now obviously housing is not, it's going to level off 
we do not think it'll depreciate. Do not confuse not appreciating at 35% with the yep. same as depreciating. Not, not appreciating at 35% and only appreciating by 5% is still a home run. We would call that normalizing, yes. not crashing. So, right. you know, again, I see too much posting about, oh my gosh, it's crashing. The, the boom is over. The, you know, the sky is falling. No, we're not talking depreciation. We're talking about things adjusting to and settling down. And really, I, I point out a lot of, to the coaches and they do to our coaching clients and our listeners that, look, look at the bright side of this. How many of you are frustrated because you've had to compete against, you know, 10 or 15 other offers, assuming you even found a house that met the buyer's criteria, assuming the buyer was even qualified to buy it? How much fun was that? All, now all of that's adjusting. You have more inventory to choose from. Sellers are going to be more lenient and, and less pushing buyers around but it's going to take a little while to get there. We're still in a seller's market, so don't be confused. We're in this cycle for a long time. Don't be confused. Long time, year plus, maybe even as long as three years. If you want to know whether inflation is leveling off, and I realize there's a lot of, um, uh, this is a controversial topic because it's easily politicized, mm -hmm. you know, depending on what side of the political aisle you fall in, because really inflation is bad news for the incumbent and it's good news for the people running against the incumbent. All this political mumbo jumbo and all these people trying to manipulate you into believing inflation has reached its high point. So I've got a question for you, and this is where you have to start being your own best coach. Do you see prices in your marketplace leveling off, not just for real estate, but for anything? Do you see gas prices falling? Oh, gas prices. Do you see milk prices falling? Do you see utility bills falling? Do you see the guy that cuts your grass? Is he charging you less or is he saying, unfortunately, I have to charge you more? Does it seem to you that inflation is slowing down? Well, me either. So the reality of it is, is we're going to be in this cycle for a long period of time. Buckle in, understand that the highest and best purpose of all of this, the thing that makes all of us as humans feel the most proud, the most content, the most fulfilled is being of service to other people. Hopefully, Julie and I were just uh, of service to you. Hopefully, we've given you some education and some motivation. Now it's important for you to get into action. Remember, the notes, I know it was exhaustive on this podcast, are available for you to download over on iTunes. While you're over on iTunes, please do give us a five-star review, and please do include a pithy comment. If you're on YouTube, please like and, and uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're going to be putting a lot of fuel on the fire over our YouTube channel. Our podcast gets tens of thousands of listens every day. We want to get the YouTube uh, channel up to the same thing. So please help us to build the YouTube channel. Like and subscribe if you're watching us or rather listening to us uh, in the background. This is our life's work. We are doing our best and we're never going to stop supporting you guys so you can thrive in this market. Please do not be, uh, feel fearful because of the changes that are coming your way. If you do feel fearful, feel, feel, feel fearful. Um, here's a little prescription uh, to get rid of that sense of fear. Eliminate media. Stop hanging out with people you're hanging out with. Stop going to the websites you're going to. Stop listening to things aside from this podcast that you're mm -hmm. listening to. Stop doing the things that are reinforcing the fear because a lot of people are feeling fear. A lot of people are unfamiliar and absolutely hate change and especially economic change, especially now that we're going to start hearing stories about unemployment, especially, especially, right? So you need to isolate yourself and you just need to be very myopic. Myopic means to have tunnel vision, become the best version of yourself as a real estate practitioner. That's what Julie and I are all about helping you get there. That is our life's work. And I really sincerely appreciate you guys beyond measure uh, for making this and keeping this the number one listen to daily podcast for real estate professionals in at least the United States by a huge margin. Anything else you'd like to say to these guys? Well, fear not. We are, our job is to educate you and motivate you. We, we 
kind of blasted you with a lot of education today to help keep you motivated and give you the confidence. Knowledge equals confidence, ignorance equals fear. So now you have more tools in your toolbox. It's up to you to go out and help more people. Text Premier to 47372. Join Premier Coaching. We've talked about it exhaustively. Absolutely positively join. It's the next natural step for all of you to further your educational career. Look, guys, the fact is, is that our coaching program is designed for those of you who are ready to take your businesses to the next level because of this market. Text the word Premier to 47372. Remember, message and data rates may apply. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the podcast tomorrow. And remember, there's there's literally thousands of past podcasts waiting for you on iTunes for you to listen to anytime. Have a fantastic day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.